don't know this, then you're behind the times. The only metric that matters is convenience. Rules apply to you. Suddenly you're an advertiser. This is Social Minds, the UK's first dedicated social media marketing podcast brought to you by Social Chain. I'm Theo. And I'm Eve. And each week we'll be joined by a host of progressive minds to learn the unique and innovative ways that social media is being used around the world. On this podcast, we'll be discussing the latest developments across social and what they mean for us all. And if you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to get new episodes every week. This week on Social Minds. Advertising used to be part of culture. I used to drive culture, I used to reflect culture. We were joined by Nick Young, who has spent years as a creative director and now lectures in creative advertising at Leeds Arts University and at ManMet as well. Yes, being such an expert on the topic, it made complete sense to have a frank and honest debate with Nick about the future of advertising and the current state of play now. TV, social, and also many of the marginalised groups that exist within the adverts we still see today. People are more obsessed with the audience rather than what they're actually selling. So it's all about what does this person do? What does this person like? All this and more coming up. Do advertisers and marketers owe it to the older generations to take notice of them within advertising? Um, No. Yeah, no. Uh, Advertisers don't owe anything to anybody other than the clients. Advertisers are there to sell their clients stuff. That's what they're primarily for. And if they're not selling the client stuff, then they're not doing the job. Um, But what they're doing by uh, ignoring and misrepresenting all the people, all the audiences, is shooting themselves in the foot massively. Um, It's it's kind of, this has always been a bit of a pet project of mine, a bit of a bugbear of mine, even before I was elderly myself, um, that all people in advertising are essentially invisible, apart from to be comedy figures, Mm. to be the hip-hop grandma or the, the granddad who's kind of at the carnival dancing with the young kids. It's kind of, they just, that, that person doesn't exist in real life. I think the mistake that marketers and advertisers make about old people is that they assume they want to be young people. Mm. And have so, as somebody who has been a young person and is now an older person, being an older person is much better than being a younger person. The, you, yeah. You're so right about them being uh, ridiculed a lot. It is like, like you said, the hip hop ground. Like, instantly, what came to mind yeah. was the uh, Iron Brew advert. Do you oh, remember God, years yeah. and years ago with the uh, with the old lady on a, on yeah, a sort absolutely. of absolutely. frame? Yeah, it's always a caricature, isn't it? Uh, completely. But you know, equally, it's kind of like young people are also caricatured as well. Yeah, I mean, caricatures exist pretty much entirely in advertising. Yeah, because it's your hand. Because you've got thirty seconds max. You know, you need to, to kind of instantly know who this person is you need to know what's going on but it's it kind of it, it it does it does a disservice to the people you're talking to and the product you're trying to sell mm. because ultimately who's got all the money mm. Mm. you know who can afford to buy a car you watch a car advert and it's always a young person driving it or you know an old an old young person someone maybe gosh in their 30s might have a beard and a bit of grey hair, and there might even be a small child in the back seat. But those people can't afford to buy a BMW 4 Series. Mm. Most cars are bought by people who in the 60s. You never see them on the on the telly. So why 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 is that then? Because you, you you hear a lot of uh, and you, and I mean you could tell me if it's guff or not. You, could, you hear a lot of uh, uh, stories and uh, you know advertisers saying that oh you know get people when they're young you know I think it's age 13 or 15 or something that you're supposed to kind of 
choose the brands that you're loyal to and whatnot. And you'll probably agree that there, over the last few years, you know, we throw millennials and Gen Z, we throw the terms around like that. There's, there's been a sustained focus on those age groups and what they want and what they do and all the rest of it, hasn't there? Yeah, it has, absolutely. And it baffles me. I think it's an, it's a race to the bottom built on bullshit. The idea that you can get a 13-year-old person to, to love your brand for life it's just, it's just, why? You know, people, people's marriages don't last for life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You have an emotional connection to your wife or your husband, and even that can go tits up. You know, you're not, there's no way you're going to stay loyal to a toothpaste. There's certain brands you have love for, but even then, I'm not, I'm not, I don't believe in love. I mean, I like Adidas trainers. Anyone who knows me will have seen, I've got hundreds of them, and I, and I, and I enjoy them. But if someone said to me, you're not going to, you can't buy any more trainers, Okay, yeah, be furious, devastated. But, you know, <laughs> it's kind of, that, that's something that stayed with me culturally. That's what that love's based on. Mm. That's based on my experience of observing them in culture, in real life, not through any kind of advertising. And if you think that people are going to have love for a brand or a product, if it isn't something that's got an emotional resonance, like, you know, some trainers that make you feel cool mm. or a bike that can get you around and about or something cool like that. Like, um, you see, I mean, I've, I've worked to places where we run the social media accounts for um, lubricants. I'm not even talking about the fun lubricants. I'm talking about industrial lubricants. Uh, you know, WD-40's Twitter page. And like, that's a real thing. And I'm like, why? Why does this thing exist? You know, there's no, f- you know, if you're a fan of WD-40, and you know there are other lubricants that are available. It's it's like you need to be aware of yourself. It's like you need you get that when something squeaks in your house. You know it's it's like there's a there's things that are a distress purchase mm. that you need when you need it. And if you think oh we we'll do the social media campaign or we'll do this advertising campaign or we'll do this or what or the other or the other to get people hooked into our brand so that's always they're going to be brand ambassadors for our lubricants, then you just kidding yourself mm, maybe not every product needs to be like romanticized to that level yeah, no yeah, and, and also true. products that are romanticized comes from reality it doesn't come from the advertising of it. the advertising pays a part in it but that reflects how people feel about it um it's kind of advertising used to be part of culture and used to drive culture and used to reflect culture but it doesn't so much anymore i mean there was a time when i was I can remember if a song was on an advert, it'd go to number one because everyone was talking about it. Mm. The Levi's adverts from the 80s, uh, Headed to the Grapevine, you know, that revived a load of music and loads of old bands got resurgence because of that. But it's because everybody knew about it, because everybody observed it. And people, and if you didn't observe it, you knew somebody who had. Yeah. Whereas now things are so targeted and so specific that I could see something and no one else sees it. So I don't talk about it, about it to anybody. Mm. So, I think maybe that maybe that's because uh, obviously there's especially on social and digital advertising there is just so much more information out there than there used to be. And like sort of going back to the difference then between how younger people and older people might be receptive to it. Obviously, for younger people who spend a lot of time on social constantly, they're they're going to be exposed to a lot more advertising. Uh, and as a result, are maybe less receptive to it, uh, more like cynical about it. But then on the flip side of that, does that then imply that older people, if they were targeted, would be more receptive to it because it's more novel to them? No, I, th- I think 
again, it's kind of the implication there is that I, th I think is that older people kind of don't know about social media. It's kind of something that's, oh, I didn't know this is going on. This is not for me. Mm. Was Whereas I'm 44 now. I wasn't born 44. I mean, I've had conversations with students where they've explained to me what social media is and what a hashtag is. I'm like, just because I'm alive now doesn't mean I was dead like 20 years ago. You know, I know all this stuff because I, I came through with it. You know, I, I listen to Spotify all the time and I'm old. It's not like a young person's thing. It's not, you, you kind of, I think people put too much emphasis on old and young. Mm. It's more to do with personality. I mean, I've, I love music. I, I grew up with music and I know people who just aren't interested in it at my age and the same with young people. But I think the, the big thing there is when you say younger people are targeted with advertising so much on social media and become a bit numb to it. And it, it's because I think the reality is the advertising they're being exposed to is rubbish. You know, it's so dull and unimaginative, does not saying anything. People are more obsessed with the audience rather than what they're actually selling. Mm. So it's all about what does this person do? What does this person like? You can see in politics now, politicians and uh, political parties uh, change what they want to kind of communicate based on what they, they want what they think people want to hear mm. rather than having actually something to say. Mm. Yeah. So the, the the digital advertising I see, cause I, you know, shocker, I'm, I'm on Instagram, you know, and I, and I have been since it came out. Um, and I see adverts on there all the time and I scroll right past them because they're rubbish. Oh. It's just like, here's a thing, here's a price, buy the thing, you want the thing, get the thing. It's like, it's like when you go to America, you watch 10 minutes of advertising yeah. in America and it's horrendous. That's how the adverts yeah, are all sell, 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 yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and it's just, you don't know what to ignore first. Whereas the advertising traditionally in this country, and it's still there, you know, it, people talk about golden ages of advertising or golden age of this and that and the other. Nah, I don't buy into that. There's good, there's always good stuff and there's always terrible stuff. And more often than not, there's much more terrible stuff. Yeah. Like there is for on social media advertising. And also it's kind of, Social media, it's supposed to be social. It's kind of, you, 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 you're you used to, and you've grown up with a kind of unofficial contract that if you watch a television, there's going to be adverts on. And you're used to it, and you think, fair enough, I want to watch this advert, I've got to get to watch this programme. You're used to it. Same with newspapers, you know, I read this newspaper, I read the stories, adverts there, you expect it. When you're on Instagram, this is my social thing. This is something I've curated myself mm. with just my friends. This is somewhere I go just to escape that. I don't want to see adverts for uh, sofas and televisions and uh, fridges. I like go away. This is this. So it's irritating. So I can understand how irritating to be advertised in social space is, especially when it's rubbish. And that I don't think has got anything to do with age. I think mm. that's to do with just the nature of trying to be too concerned about who you're talking to and less concerned about what you're saying to them. Yeah. Nick, can I, can I ask you, would you, uh, this is a slight sidestep, but would you kick, Marinus, would you kick brands and advertisers off these social channels with that in mind? Because, well. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I, but what I want to say to him is, if you want to be taken notice of, mm. be interesting. If you don't want to be, if you want people to stop using ad blocker, do ads that are interesting. Do something that people want to, be interested in and talk about and tell the friends about. Do something that's shareable. I don't mean shareable in terms of, oh, like and, and you know, reshare, that kind of shareable. I mean shareable as in have a conversation about it in real life because that'll have much more cut through because if you want to make any kind of B 
big change, whether it be to a brand or a product or just any, even any kind of social talk, you need to change the culture and you change the culture by people talking about things. You kind of, there's like the thresholds of what's acceptable and what isn't. It's kind of getting people's behaviors to change. It's difficult. Mm. But if you're just talking to one person on their phone and you're in their ear, no matter how targeted it is, you're only talking to one person and that, and that can live and die in that person. Mm. Whereas if you talk to people en masse, then they will see it en masse and that will become part of the thing they talk about. Like um, eight out of 10 cats, the programme, you know, that's named after that, a, a slogan from an advert. Maybe people, maybe <coughs> most people under the age of 30 don't know that, but you know, what, what brands have been built purely using social media? Uh, you'd, you'd be surprised. Yeah, I, would be surprised. I would be yeah. surprised. Yeah. Surprise me. Um, well, we had on the podcast recently, Huel, uh, well, we caught up with the guys from Huel. There's sort of like a, a protein, um, everything kind of drink, uh, which is sort of like... Your new it's, favorite it's all food. Your, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more like a, yeah, hashtag ad. More like a, uh, it's a sort of health drink that gets all your nutrients yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they don't like to be defined as like a protein powder, really, do they? But yeah, it's we've seen, we've seen a lot of fashion brands as well who've sort of come up through social. I mean, yeah, you're not going to get the next Levi's well, that's, that's what I'm talking that, about. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be small, challenging brands yeah. who kind of it's ideal for because they are disruptive and you, and you don't want to be that have that mainstream success. And mm. if you get that big exposure, then it kills the brand. Yeah, you know, there, there is things that is appropriate for. I'm talking about big. I mean, even I've seen just yesterday. I saw a big billboard for LinkedIn. It's like, why is LinkedIn advertising a billboard? At the moment, yeah. 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 I've seen bus stop adverts for Facebook. And it's like, well, if the, if if social media is all powerful and all pervasive, why are they doing that? And it's because it's not an either or. I don't think. I don't think it's. It's just. It's just something else. It's mm. like people said. People. Oh, re- television's going to kill radio, and cinema's going to kill. Uh, and now, advertising on television. Uh, everything's going to. Everything kills everything else. Apparently, you know, radio's dead. C- c- uh, television's going to kill cinema. Um, podcasts are going to kill uh, uh, novels and it doesn't it's just another thing mm. so social media won't kill traditional advertising and I say traditional advertising in a sense of newspapers I mean if you go to WH Smith's it's full of magazines so we must be buying them for 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 young people then I suppose if, if we you know if we look at through social lens of a, a lot of young people being on there what, what for you constitutes a uh, a good idea because we've got this sort of uh, scope where you've got advertising and adverts will always be there and it's programmatic mm-hmm. and all the rest of it and then what you see with, with a lot of brands obviously going down the branded content route which you, I suppose you wouldn't have had with TV you wouldn't really have branded TV shows where you would have had adverts so are they serving different purposes well you your... can't well you can't did have branded TV shows you'd have TV shows brought to you in association with such and such mm-hmm. and you spend a few minutes talking about the product I mean, that's, that's how television started really so that that's always that's nothing new with that, I don't think. Mm. Um but I think regardless of the media it's in, it depends on what the message is. I mean, it, if you look at that Gillette campaign they did recently, is it the best a man can get? Yeah. That ran for five hours on YouTube. That was paid for for five hours, and that's all it did. And but that then went global. Mm. And that was shared and talked about. 
and they knew to get a backlash and they even thought, and then they knew to get a backlash, that backlash. So that's an example of social media being used in a way. It was kind of, they got the most out of that, but they got the most out of that, not because it was on social media, but because it was some, they were saying something interesting. Yeah. And whether you liked it or didn't like it, you know, it, it cut through because of what the message of what they were saying. Could you argue though that a lot of, I know you said that there's value in creating conversations, like these big ideas, like that's what they should be doing. But could it be argued then that a lot of the conversation, let's say about the Gillette advert, took place oh, online as well? Absolutely, but then that, but that conversation is an organic conversation. Yeah, That's people talking to other people about something they've seen. Mm. That's not them sharing content that they've been given. Yeah, That's, um, that's the a virtual water cooler, you know, that, that that's what happens then. So that's a really good example of that. That's when social media is a really good thing and for, for brands. You know, if you can get people talking about it organically, that's the dream, isn't it? Mm. But you do that by having something interesting to, for them to talk about. Yeah. You know, you, you show and have it like that, which is kind of, I thought, now, if you, if you look just in the adverts, I thought it was a bit heavy handed and a bit crass but only in the fact that he was American and that, you know, if, if he was done in this country, I think the message would have been, don't be a dick. Yeah. That's what it should have been. Yeah. yeah, it should have been. But so, but that was an interesting thing. And because they've done that now, Gillette are now doing load of online content for people who are trans, who are transitioning and they're shaving for the first time as grown ups rather than as teenagers. So, but they can do that because they did that other thing. Yeah. So yeah, so I think it again. It does. It doesn't. There's space for everything. Social media can be really good for, for advertisers, especially for small, new disruptor brands mm. who who want to be there because you need to be where your audience is, and if that's where your audience is, then why why would you be there? Mm. You know, exactly, for, for a brand yeah. like that, for them to do an advert in the Times, you know, be ridiculous. Why would you do that? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, it. so what of let's let's go back to your lubricant brand example. Yeah. What of a brand like that? How does how do they earn the right to advertise to you? If what what's needed is to have something really creative and really interesting to say, but the brand maybe doesn't lend itself to that sort of like universally exciting nature. Oh well. Have you ever done the shake and vach? No. You never done a shake and vach. No. You never put the freshness back on the no. on the on the carpet. Yeah. Shake and vach. Yeah, I've I've heard of it. I've ne never done one myself. Okay. I've well, got hardwood floors. Oh yeah. Well, well, there's an advert which I'm sure you'll you you may have you know, actually dad still know. Uh, shake and vach. You do the shake and vach and put the freshness back. You know, it was like a little silly song. It was funny. Yeah. But that 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 came into that made that brand ubiquitous. And, and get crossed over into normal everyday life. Mm. So now everyone knows, of a certain age, if your carpet's minging, you need a shake and vac. <laughs> now that's not a particularly sexy product, mm. but it had an interesting idea. There are loads of products, really dull products that have gone really interesting advertising. You don't have to have a cool, you don't have to be, have a cool product to do cool adverts. Sometimes, for me personally, when I've been working, you've got more opportunity to do something that's a bit, a bit mundane, because you've got more scope to, to, to do whatever you want, really. Mm. So it doesn't matter. There's not, as I say to my students and as I said to other people I've worked with, there's no such thing as a, as a boring brand or a boring brief, only boring ideas. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the trick. Anyone can think of an idea every once in a while. But 
advertisers. It's our job to think of good ideas all day, every day on demand and to make lubricants, industrial lubricants, really, really interesting mm. or at least fun or at least silly. If you can't be distinctive, be disruptive or, be, or just be, do something, you know, you know and, 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 and it's possible. But, but unfortunately, there are so many people in, in everything are completely risk averse and kind of are scared to do anything interesting in case it doesn't work. You know, if, if you do something that is bold and it fails, well, then you're going to have to finger point it at you. You did this bold thing and it failed. Yeah. You're sacked. Whereas if you do something that isn't bold, something that what everybody else does and it doesn't work, you go, well, you know, I didn't advert. Mm. Everybody mm. else does it like that. Mm. It just didn't work. Maybe it was a product. What, what I do want to touch on, Again, is the uh, sort of the, the the state we're going in at the moment. So I think this was probably about this time last year. Uh, the ASA uh, came out and basically said uh, there's going to be a sort of uh, a step away from these stereotypes, harmful stereotypes, which is great. It's mm. a great thing, um, obviously, and you know that includes uh, gender. And we've we've just spoken about old, el elderly people, obviously, and you know, the view of the, the hopeless dad and the woman being in the kitchen or, or, or that sort of thing. That old chestnut. Um, now, obviously, these these sort of stereotypes, they've been amplified through advertising, you know, over over decades and whatnot. Um, and some of the sort of counter-argument people will say as well, you know, although it's bad, we kind of recognise these stereotypes and I suppose they work for big populist ideas. Do you see that as being a, I don't want to say do you see it as being a challenge, but how does that begin to change the landscape when people almost don't instantly recognise the person being portrayed in an advert, if that makes I've, I've, any sense? Yeah, it, it, it does. And it kind of, I was going back to, we mentioned originally about the, it being legislated where you can't have these particular tropes and advertising anymore. I kind of, Part of me, it was like, well, I don't like the idea of legislating what you can and can't say. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's just sad that you've got to, because it's sad that those things are still happening. Mm. Those mm. tacky, tired stereotypes. Like, if you're still doing that now in 2019, it's like, well, you don't, you don't deserve anyone to buy your product. You know, it's kind of, there's not necessary anymore because people are more sophisticated. We've got, now 50, 60 years worth of culture where we know instantly when an advert comes on what trope they're trying to say to us. Mm. You know, we don't need to have things explained to us anymore because we know as an audience we're more sophisticated than ever. So treat us in a sophisticated way. Don't talk down to us. Don't patronise us. You know, it's kind of, I, I often say to my students when they come to me with an idea, like this advert you've done or this thing you want me to do, would you do it? And they're like, no. I'm like, well, how dare you? How dare you put it in front of anybody else and expect anybody else to do it? Mm. You know, it's kind of, if it is the useless dad or the wife at home or the special K couple was always a thing where you'd have this amazingly gorgeous woman in an advert with this obviously really ordinary, normal looking bloke, which has obviously been done by a man because that's their fantasy. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I, I could, with my charm and wit, I could get this really attractive woman. You know, that, that, that was... We, and when I was at university in the 90s, that was always, we'd always laugh at that because it wasn't just a special K advert. It was like all adverts was like that. And it's even in films now. I mean, I saw a, po a, a bus going past me with Charlie Theron on it with, uh, what's it, Seth Rogen, is it? Mm. Seth, Seth, whatever. Is it, uh, that's, that's still a thing now. 
Oh, she's beautiful, and he's but he'll win her over with his charm. I'm like, oh come on, we're still doing it's this. Or a kind of links. Reminds me that reminds me of the links adverts. Yeah, maybe yeah, like some like yeah, weedy teenagers spray some links, and all of a sudden there's like supermodels running. Because this was still them. going on for the noughties. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. I remember. Yeah, but uh, but, <laughs> but the, the, the links ones at least knowing or have become a bit knowing with it. Mm. They know it's kind of ridiculous. Oh, links do brilliant no. adverts yeah, now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but it's like if yeah. So th- those tropes are a kind of. Uh, you know, should have been concerned a long time ago, I think. But it goes back to that point because we've got, uh, you know, it's it's sort of, I mean, you could probably look back at a time and see many ads that were racist and then you have homophobia and sort of like these these kind of, uh, does it seem still even now with, with these sort of legislations that have come through that elderly people, going back to our original point, still have a bit of a past they're still it's kind of it, it's okay because they're old because it seems to be oh totally totally there's kind of there's, there's, there's different things I mean it's kind of in in my lifetime um, in advertising and in culture racism was always unacceptable even though it was there um, it became like in the 80s sexism was like a big backlash, big backlash against it. I, I, you know, as culture became more and more kind of equality was more and more of it normalised. Mm. But then in the nineties, we had this lad culture thing where um, I, I'm, I can ironically look at your boobs now. It's kind of so that kind of set us back a bit. But things things just move forward naturally, I think. But there are some people who get a pass. I mean, only only a few years ago, ginger people, and it, it becomes you know it becomes more and more obscure. Like old elderly, and, and like as you know, I'm I'm, I'm from Liverpool, and when, when I first went to university in the nineties, there was you know everyone thought I was a thief or or like because that's what scousers were, but that's but that's gone now. I think my my, my you know, Ari Enfield. I mean, if I ever meet Ari Enfield, you better hope I haven't got my Stanley knife in my shell suits. <laughs> you know, he's got a lot to answer for for perpetuating no stereotypes, but yeah. some stereotypes yeah. still are okay. Yeah, it is yeah. laughing at elderly people, laughing at ginger people. Um, Although that's kind of not okay anymore. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, I think people are realising it kind of, things happen very, very, very gradually then all of a sudden very, very quickly. Mm. Like when I was at school, nobody was gay. I went to a massive school in the 1980s, 2,000 kids in a school and no one was gay. Now, of course, obviously they were gay, mm. but no one was out. But now my students, we've got loads of gay students and nobody cares. You know, it, over the course of 20, 30 years, that's a thing that no one cares about. Um, you know, most of my students are female, but by by far, uh, when I first started working in advertising, most of the creative teams were men, and most of the account handlers were, were women. Were women. That's, that's the way it was. But now, it's kind of, there's more, it's, it's more equal. There's more male account handlers and more female creatives. As, because... And and so it's kind of uh, finding people who are talented is really hard. And when you, why would would you exclude somebody before you even know how talented Mm. they are? It's like it's that argument, isn't there, that you need to have equal representation in a room, especially with something like advertising. So if you're hoping to represent Mm. people and like appeal to people, you have to have that representation where the idea starts. Yeah, uh, but but it kind of. And that's part of the journey. I mean, I kind of, I, I understand, hopefully, I mean, it's kind of, it's, it's very, I'm aware as, I'm a, I'm a man, 
particularly in middle age, I'm a middle aged man and I've got a voice because everything I say is what everyone says. You know, the world is made for me. The world is created for middle aged white men. That's just the way it is. Um, no, not that, no, no, that's not the way it is. That's, so it's easy, for, it's, it's hard for me to put myself in the shoes of somebody who isn't me mm. because I don't know what it's like to have my ideas not listened to because of my sexuality or my gender or my race. I've never experienced that. I can empathize with that, but until it becomes a point where it's not even an issue and it's not talked about, then we, we do need to make sure that people are represented. Yeah. But but hopefully we get to a place where it's not something we have to think about. Mm. It's something that just I is. I always wonder though, like say in 10 years, are adverts that we, we're seeing now that are quite progressive for this time, will I, our kids and their kids look back and think that that was a little bit of course you will. You know, outdated? Mm. Are you mm. seeing that with like people you're teaching? Are you yeah. seeing that? Because obviously you're teaching the next generation of, of advertisers. Are you Absolutely. starting to see that move? Absolutely. Well, advertising isn't separate from culture. You know, what's happening now in culture is what should be happening in advertising mm. and vice versa. It, it's when it's not, it's when it's a disconnect. And when it has got that daft dad or the, or the you know, the, the ditzy secretary. You know, I, I remember I seen advertising that were like that. Not even that long ago. But it's just not acceptable anymore because it, it's not acceptable because it's boring and dull mm. and just derivative. And anything like that just won't last. Why is it then, do you think that when so many brands are trying to involve themselves in culture. We, like, reject it. There's such a pushback. Like, because we don't, we don't, we don't want like them, them doing it. We don't want them to be. Your brands, do your brand thing, sell your stuff, tell us about it, but don't expect us to care. You know, it's not, it's, it's you know, brands want us to be part of our lives and, you know, to, to, to start a conversation. I don't want to have a conversation about toilet roll with anybody. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> I, I want to have toilet roll when I need toilet roll. Yeah. And when it is, I might think, oh, I saw that first, I'll buy that. I don't want it to be all pervasive. You know, it's kind of, get out of my house, mind your own business. You know, do what you do. Make great products and we'll buy them. Tell us the great, make them interesting, make, us, make them desirable and we'll desire them. But if you get in our face about it, you're going to turn us off. It's like having a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know, if you're caught on somebody, they're too keen. You're like, mate, it's really unattractive. <laughs> You know, it's, it's like yeah. uh, we need brands to treat us mean a little bit. Yeah. Nick, can I can I ask then? I know I know this really probably contradicts the whole conversation that we've just had, but do you see a generational shift with that? By what? Whereby? I mean, born in '92, I can remember the only ads I saw were on billboards and by clicking, you know, flicking the TV on. Mm -hmm. that. People who grow up in today's world, you know, and the stats are out there that more less less and less are watching TV. Um, you know, and and we see influencer marketing as a case study of that and brands almost having to align with people in that way and on that personal sort of scale. Why do they? Why do they have to align with those people? For, for me, it's down to visibility because either you're there or you're not because there'll always be the FMCG functional brands, won't there? That <laughs> will, you know, we'll always buy cornflakes, we'll always use... Kleenex tissues or, or, or whatever, but mm. it's those, you know, when you're an Adidas against a Nike against a Puma, where, where do you sort of stand with that? Mm. Well, I, I, well, if you see cornflakes, why not Weetabix? Why not Frosties, Kleenex? Why not Charmin? You know, just yeah. kind of, you know, those brands you've named there have become shorthand for tissues and, and breakfast. Like, Hoover, you Hoover your house, don't you? Mm. No one's had mm. a Hoover for decades. It's kind of, 
that's that, that, that's that's kind of the point, really. I mean, sorry, I've lost, I've lost, I've lost, I've lost we, we, we can't. I, I suppose what I'd say is we can't argue the success now, really, of an influencer marketing campaign in generating sales. Yeah, but there's but that generation. That, okay, so I don't think that one particular thing can be entirely responsible for a sale. Mm. So mm. you can track influence marketing because mm. you can see the clicks you can you can you can do that mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. why clients love it mm -hmm. because they can see charts mm. they can say oh i spent this money and this is, this is my return roi do you love roi whereas if you do a tv spot or a radio advert you, you don't know what the roi is in that you don't know how many people listen to that radio advert and actually did the thing mm. whereas an influence it's like how many people listen to the radio in this country every week what do you think? What do you think? Um, again, less and less. I was reading, I was, I was sort of sat the other day where it said, you know, I think podcasts again are taking more of a share of listeners. Mm -hmm. I'd say what? 80? Or is that too big? I honestly don't know. I don't, see, I don't drive. And I think, when do I listen to the radio now? Yeah, see, I'd probably be the perfect case study for this. Like, I do not listen to the radio, do listen to podcasts, don't really watch normal TV, do take notice of influencer videos. I think and, it'd be but, fewer. But, and also, I think what we what we do as people is what we're all guilty of doing is taking what we do and extrapolating that across everybody. Yeah. You don't watch the television. I have students who don't watch the television and they say, nobody watches the television. Nobody listens to the radio. Mm. It's like, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Ten million people listen to radio every week. You, you go to Manchester now, go on a motorway, look at all those cars. Uh, at least, even if half of them have got the radio on, mm. you know. But you, so they've all listened to adverts on the radio. So they listen to that advert for um, a brand of energy drink, and then they go home and you see that. Oh, I heard that before. I might have that, and you click on it. So you've got the, the stats saying they saw that advert and it was buy it from an influencer and that's what made them click. When in reality, it was the air that radio there and they saw it somewhere else. No, the more visible it is, the more recognition, you know, the more callback it has. Mm. Mm. So influencer marketing. So so I could say very easily, well, influencer marketing doesn't work because it doesn't work for me. So it doesn't work for me, it doesn't work for anyone. And I'm doing the same thing that you're doing. Mm. It's kind of extrapolating what my experience is. is. I mean, influencer marketing... It's like, yeah, it works for a certain thing, but like, it's just, it's a thing that's around now. But there'd be something else. You know, mm. do you remember when Big Brother first came on? Mm. You know, in the two, year 2000, so yeah. you remember that. It was massive. Everyone talked about it. It was the front page of every newspaper for like years. Heat magazine. It was just everywhere, wasn't it? Everyone talked about it. Is Big Brother still even going? I think it is. It is. It is still going somewhere, I think. But no yeah, one, can, but no one cares. But if you'd have said to someone then, this thing, one day no one will care about it. You'd be like, no, everyone cares about it. It's really important. It's like, like anything. It's like QR codes. It's like, you know, oh, they're going to be the future. Now if you've got a QR code, you look like Grandpa Granola. Yeah. It, it's like <laughs> things just change. Yeah. So what is your, what is your advice to your students often now who are who are clearly you know let let's let let's say that in 10 years time tv might not be anywhere near as important to their career 
because there will be, you know, a group of people I imagine in, you know, an ad agency doing that. Mm -hmm. And they've got to spot the opportunities now, whether that be social, whether that be podcasting, whether that be whatever. Is it still as black and white as a big idea matters, a small idea matters? Or is there a sense that, you know, there is a moment of reckoning that, one, we've got to try harder to get past ad blockers and, and, and the rest of it. Two, we've got to almost change behaviour, free. You know, it, 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 it strikes me that there were, obviously everything would have a point, but there was a time where you could, you know, make a beautiful piece of art. I can't imagine many people can do that in the same way now. You know, would, would you make, uh, the example I always use is the Guinness Horses ad. Would, would you make that again, you know, for it to be cut down and diced onto social and whatnot? Yeah, absolutely. And it probably was at the time. I mean, that was, was that the late 90s, was it? Yeah, 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 it was. So, yeah, um, yeah. There's probably, you know, there's, that would have been chopped out. It would have been long versions of that, short versions of that. It's like it always used to be the 30 second spot was on the television. When you went to cinema, you see it for 90 seconds. Mm. That's always been a thing, and it'd always be like a 10 second version after you'd seen it for or after it ran for a few weeks. They cut it down. You know, you don't have to spend so much money. You know, you've already seen it. You know what it mm. is. Mm. So, in 10 years, it might be in a boardroom where no one watches television anymore. But there'll be something else. Mm. And whatever that something else is, the things that are on that something else that people will talk about will be the things that are interesting. Do you think, like, then, say, in this situation, it just got me thinking, the people then who say, like, TV won't as be as important to their careers, those will be, like, the same people who are focusing on the next generation and like the younger generation will it be a point then where there's still an older audience who are watching television but we're just again following that vicious cycle and not yeah, not the, paying the, attention to people them. have been saying television will be there in 10 years since the 1950s yeah and it's still here there's always television's always going to be there it's going to until it's not you know it's kind of yeah. people don't make fortunes or careers or money or Notoriety out of predicting things are going to stay the same. People make predictions about everything's going to change. It's going to be this is going to do this in ten years' time. You know, the young people will be talking about this. The old people won't be doing that. I, 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 I've kind of been around long enough now to see that uh, that doesn't happen. Things move gradually. Some things stay the same. Some things change completely. Mm. And what we are seeing, like, is a move sort of away from like we were saying earlier, Theo, with like millennials and Gen Z, and like terms that are being thrown around and people have like stopped focusing now so much on age demographics and like you said focusing more on personality mm. I hope to be. But, but again I kind of I I find millennial to be completely meaningless I mean what is millennial you know I've got friends who are 35 who are millennials you know my students are generation Z I'm generation X I mean what does what does it all mean really mm. it's kind of You've got, people say young people now, you know, feckless and lazy and entitled. Well, you know what? They always have been. I was feckless and lazy and entitled in the 1980s. Yeah. That's what young people are. Yeah. Young people are awful. You know, it's, 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 it's and awful and brilliant. And they, have, they are now, and they always have been, and they always will be. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. But I want to end on a final question, <laughs> which is that uh, we've, I've read, a, I've read a few books to know that, with within advertising, like like we've been talking about, there was the uh, impression that you got that it was the new agents, the new exciting agencies of the TV era that came in, 
and your print sort of people who made it big in print you know the early episodes of Mad Men and all of that was sort of saying TV's not going to be a thing it's not going to be around yada 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 do, do you sense that there is a bit of hypocrisy now in seeing people like uh, John Hegarty and other you know mavens of the, the advertising world not really giving social the kudos even Mark Whitson it deserves in a way yeah, no. They still make great ads, obviously, for social as well, but there's yeah, but always th- seems to be a bit of a... Again, I think what I I need to... What I try and keep in mind when thinking about those people who've been in business for so long is thinking of all the things they've seen and all the things they've been told that's going to be the new thing, and it wasn't. Mm. And some of those new things stick around, and some of them don't. But if you took everything that was new as the thing that was going to change everything, then you, you go insane. Mm. You know, it's kind of, think, some things stick and some things don't. And people who are really experienced and really intelligent can make wrong calls all the time. Most people do make wrong calls all the time. Most predictions are wrong. Like most things aren't good. It's like, you know, we talk about advertising. Most of it's rubbish. Most social... Uh, uh, advertising rubbish. Most films are rubbish. Most music rubbish. Because to make stuff that's good is really, really hard. Really, really, really hard. Have it cut through for anybody for anything. Especially now when everyone is so saturated with everything. You know, you're so distracted all the time. And I'm guilty of it myself. You know, I this morning I had like an hour to kill before I came here. And there would have time would have been a time when I would have read a book or a magazine. I just spent the time just on Twitter, seeing which, seeing the horror show of the Tory leadership election. <laughs> you know, but it's kind of is that the biggest challenge now? Then do you think for your students, where attention is so divided between it's, not, it's, it's not, not a challenge for our student, for my students, it's a challenge for society, and yeah. not just young people, everybody. Yeah. I used to read books. I don't read books anymore because I, I'm on my iPad reading nonsense. It's like. You read a book, it's like having a meal. You're, you're on social media, it's like eating sweets. Mm. You know, it's, it's tasty, but your teeth are going to fall out. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's a distraction. My, my students are on their phones a lot, not because they want to see what's on there, but because you want to distract themselves from whatever else they're doing. Because whatever else they're doing is difficult. And so, you know, why would you why would you want to not do something that was easy rather than something difficult? Mm. You know, it's kind of people say, you know, I, I ask people sometimes say, why are people on the phones all the time? Well, I, I'd say, well, why aren't they? Because it's interesting. Because you know, you're bored. I'm on the bus. But I can look out the window at this building I've seen a thousand times, or I could read this online. But unfortunately, you know, we we all have the power in our hands. The whole of world history is there for us. We could find out anything we wanted to. But we're not looking at that, we're looking at cats. You know, and, and we're all guilty of it. You know, people can be all highfalutin and highbrow about it and look down on social media as kind of, you know, just rubbish and boring and just hate-filled. But it just reflects what we all are. You know, mm. most of us are rubbish and boring and hate-filled. But it's kind of, it's, you know, when, when, you're, when you're commuting four hours a day, I'd go insane if I, you know, I didn't have something to distract myself from it. Yeah. It's about it's about knowing the appropriate time to do it. We'll have to see where well where attention takes us next, whether it's podcasts or what what happens in the in the next several years. But thank you, Nick, for 
Coming on, enjoy Thank that. you for having me. I'll probably listen back to this and I realise I've contradicted myself a million times. <laughs> I'm not many. I'm not made any salient points at all. But you know, that's the nature of advertising, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Nice one. You're welcome. Thank you. Brilliant. Thank you for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please remember to leave us a review on iTunes because it really, really helps and allows us to bring you brand new episodes every single week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with myself, Theo Watts, Eve Young, and produced by Ollie Thompson. <laughs>